0: This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts.
1: Stuff that fell through the cracks, some interesting stories around the NHL, and where the Sharks are at after three weeks. Welcome to the Pugnologist. <laughs> So welcome into to episode 77 now of the Pucknologist here on Teal Town USA. I'm your host, AJ underscore strong on the Twitter machine. And with me, the one and only hockey jerk making what your debut for this season? Debut,
0: return, uh, you serpents, we can call it anything. Um, but here I am, rocky like a hurricane. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> it's time to get going and I'm excited.
1: All right. well, uh, do us a favor as always. Follow us on whatever podcast you're listening to us on. Make sure you hit the subscribe button on the YouTube and find everything at tealtownusa.com. That's pretty much where it all lives, right? So let's just get into a few odds and ends that we actually were supposed to cover for 75 or 76. For some reason, they fell through the cracks. And uh, we dug into the crack and pulled it out. <laughs> so, <laughs> Did Evgeny Kuznetsov help you? <coughs> oh, 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 here we go already. Uh, so a <laughs> couple of things. The Sharks released a new marketing campaign this season called #TealTogether. Together. If you go back and look at Teal Town USA's Instagram feed from last May, you're going to go, hmm, sounds familiar. All right. Just saying, you know. Just saying, looks well, looks strangely familiar,
0: but it's all and right. And I and I and on that same note, I think it's funny that, uh, you know, last last season during the playoffs, they do the sharks tattoos, and they're marketed under you know, it was literally it was sharks for life, literally. And then we fast forward five months, and it's like, yeah, we're not really doing that anymore.
1: So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, all these people got a tattoo for you know, sharks for life, and
1: hey, free tattoos, not a bad thing if you can get yeah, them. Yeah. Hey, you know, my uh, my uh, walking terminology, in fact, I think I had it on a shirt at one point. It's, if it's free, it's for me, and I'll take three. <laughs> not a bad way to roll, buddy. Uh, <laughs> let's see what else happened. Uh, evidently, now this is kind of interesting. Word from uh, around the campfire was that uh, Fanatics is feeling a little bit of heat from different sources i'm not saying this is specific to the sharks i'm saying overall i'm reading more and more that fanatics is catching a little bit of heat from their partners and from what i heard uh there might have been some quality control people around the campfire at sap checking shall we say their quality or lack thereof but that said i'm noticing more and more things now and i've been to a couple games so far for this season i'm noticing more one-off merch, like the Still Got It shirt from Jumbo. Uh, I believe there was another kind of one-off shirt that came out recently. I don't know what tagline they used for that. Um, but all of these one-offs, not made by fanatics. Just saying. Makes you go, hmm. Uh, another thing of note, over the offseason, uh, KNBR, local sports talker on the AM side, has added an FM signal. For, for those of you who aren't local, there was a long time standing rock station called KFOG 1045, I believe. But they were an FM station in KNBR. Parent company, what is that? Cumulus, I think, came in and said, okay, well, we're, uh, we, we got competition on the FM side with 95.7, so we're going to put a signal on the FM side as well. Overall, uh, they still plan to ignore the Sharks. Uh, that won't change. But other than that, um, you know, the, now there's two sports stations you can listen to uh, on FM that will both ignore the sharks. So there's that. You have options. Yeah, and, and that's all we want, right? Uh, the Golden State Warriors, uh, those uh, basketball guys that you know play, uh, used to play in Oakland. Unveiled Chase Center in San Francisco, brand new building where they're going to be playing this season. Uh, The LA Kings have also unveiled plans to, uh, or or I guess they're going to be unveiling plans this month about renovations to the 20-year-old Staples Center. And uh, not to be outdone, SAP Center uh, replaced Nick the Greek with Opa. So if you're Greek and like Greek food, it's still there. You have that available to you. And uh, finally, the Sharks celebrated the 25th anniversary of the tank 26 years after it opened. So there was that. All right, let's move on. (laughs) Just all the little funny little quirks that always just make me giggle and laugh, and I go, eh, it's all good. It's, you know, (laughs) it's just fun. You find the humor where you can. So uh, around the NHL, uh, let's see here. Uh, The Toronto Maple Leafs both scored and allowed a shorthanded goal in the first period of game Uh, of a game for the first time since
0: 1985. You hate to see it. Uh, Well, I mean, it's, you know,
1: leafs of leafs have been having that problem all year, just giving up goals when they shouldn't. Yeah. I just, I, I, again, I find the little quirky things, you know, and we'll get into it later, but like Kane making some history in the first Mm -hmm. period of a game this week. So, uh, also, not to be outdone, uh, Vegas, the Vegas Golden Knights <laughs> earlier today, uh, there were some guys who talked about the amount of great confidence, just a, a lot of confidence in Oscar Dansk, who's going to be coming in to take over for Flurry. And as we're recording this, Oscar has let in five goals on 25 shots.
0: <laughs> so, and, 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 and that game is not far from over either. Uh,
1: no. No, no, and uh, Dansk letting in uh, two goals in less than a minute in the first part of the second period, and then two goals in less than a minute in the second half of the second period. So, uh, we we could look at, be looking at some franchise history for the Vegas Golden Knights because you know their history is so established.
0: Well, and and, and you know, uh, I Dansk obviously. You know, he, he said earlier today that he he looks up a lot to Marc-Andre Fleury and wanted to take some inspiration for him. So I think that's where you get the two quick ones early, two quick ones late. A little different from what Fleury did, but mm-hmm. uh, I think you see what he was going for there.
1: Yeah, took it a little different way. Now, see, I'm not completely versed in what's going on. So I know Subban got injured or for something happened where he came out of a game versus Arizona earlier in the season. So is that still occurring or are they giving Dance the opportunity? Yeah,
0: he's still um he's still a little banged up. I know he had a lower body injury uh it was against the Canucks. Um I don't know what kind of timeline there is for him. Um he has missed I think it's been about a week that he's missed, maybe a little bit more. Um, it was against the
1: Canucks. I thought it was the Yotes.
0: Did I not did I say Canucks? Yes. I must, I I meant the Yotes. My oh, okay. mistake.
1: My the desert Yotes, of dogs, if you will. Yeah. Hey, <laughs>
0: Uh, I'll I'll tell you this though. Speaking as somebody who watches this sport
1: <laughs> religiously,
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I you have a hard time convincing me that that score would it be any different if Subban was
1: in net. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, no, the Flyers are feeling it, uh, but it does go back to something I think we thought or we talked about during the Pacific Division previews. If Flurry goes down for any stretch. How significant is that to Vegas?
0: Oh, it's very significant, especially because, you know, a, a, as loaded as their offense hit is, you know, when you look top to bottom, that personnel, there have been a lot of instances like tonight where they've struggled to score. And if if Marc-Andre Fleury goes down, you know, Vegas is going to have a tough time, uh,
1: you know, figuring that out. So They're clearly um, a shootout team. You know, they're t- they're, uh, yeah. now this I'll say, top nine, probably the best in the West. Oh, easily. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah. And and
0: they have, yeah, and and they have their, and that's the thing. They have their spurts. Like maybe they'll go five games in a row where they get five goals every game, but then you'll see a lot of instances where, you know, it's, they get shut out or maybe they get one goal, two goals. So they definitely as a unit are hot and cold, but when they are hot, it's like you said, it's
1: hot. Yeah. No, I think we all appreciate it when the unit is hot. Don't like it when your unit's cold, but anyway, we move on. Uh, are the Edmonton Oilers for real? I mean, dude, Drysaitel <laughs> is just—he's killing it this season now. Hashtag oh, yeah. unsustainable, right? You know, small sample size, all of those things. But there's evidently some talk on the Twitter sphere that it's like, yeah, no, Drysaitel better than Austin Matthews. It's just—I, you,
0: you know, I—I I would agree with that sentiment only because uh, I feel like Austin Matthews. Now, don't get me wrong, Austin Matthews is a hell of a goal scorer, but that's really all he brings to the table and and you know I'm 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 saying this with the expectation that a lot of Toronto Leaf fans will be upset with me and that's fine it's not the first time it's happened but <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I I you look at Leon Draisaitl I mean he can rip the puck better than a lot of people but he you know he's a very underrated passer he's a big kid too he can hit and we've seen you you put him on Connor McDavid's wing or you put him at center and he can really do it all, and and obviously there it's the Connor McDavid show as it should be. But Leon Dreisaitl is as good of a player, you know, in that same conversation. Obviously nobody's as good as McDavid, but I think he's definitely right up there. And you know, I know friend of the show Gen X and I have been going back and forth about him for a while. And I think, you know, it's kind of hard. It's the same thing with Evgeny Malkin. You know, it's hard being. It's hard being the second guy, you know.
1: Dude, I was that's exactly what I was going to bring up. It's like, yeah, Crosby and Malkin as a, as our, you know, McDavid and Drysdale, right?
0: Yeah, like if 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 Leon Drysdale is on any other team, he's the best player, he probably wears the C, he probably leads the team in scoring, but because he's, you know, he's McDavid's best man in a way, it's like, you know, everybody sort of forgets, but no, that to answer your first question, are the Oilers real? I, I you know what? I, I think they could be. I mean, they're getting, you know, uncharacteristic goaltending from Mike Smith. Um, we'll see if we'll that continues. Bounce back. Um, yeah. yeah. And and I, I I've always I don't want to say I've liked Mike Smith, but I definitely think he's better than a lot of people give him credit for. And so I think there's obviously something there. And for the first time in a while too, it seems like the Oilers actually have depth beyond their top line and you know the defense has played much better as well and everything just seems to be clicking for them and I whether or not they're playing above their league it still remains to be seen but I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of parlay this into a a late
1: season push can we just address the elephant in the room the the key all circled around getting rid of Lucic (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) you know what (laughs) they should have never signed him right (laughs) Yeah. You know, everybody's everybody's got to make a mistake. Or if you're Peter Shirelli, everybody's got to make multiple mistakes. Wow. But we've all been there. I mean, you know, if if the stove's hot, put your hand on it. Who sure. cares, right? <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Uh, so speaking about hot, and we're going to shift this into hot takey, hot takey bakery coming at you. Uh, John Scott, uh, former Sharks legend, NHL all-star, MVP, by the way. Uh, John Scott, in his latest tweet for his podcast, put out: "Are the league's stars more vulnerable to getting hurt without enforcers there to protect them?" What do you think? Um, I think, boy, I, 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 you know, now let me ask you this first: Do you think we need more guys like Ryan Reeves or, a, I mean, going back to a few years past? A Steve Downey? I mean, how? what else do you do in order to detour the Dustin Browns and Corey Perrys and, and that ilk of the NHL?
0: Um, you draft and develop players who are faster than them and then you skate around them and ignore them and score goals and win games.
1: Yeah, I that's, I totally agree with you. I mean, that's the whole thing is if you allow them, those players like Ryan Reeves, we saw it with Evander Kane in the playoffs last season when Kane allowed Reeves to get under his skin, Reeves was an impact. When Kane mm-hmm. ignored Reeves, Reeves was not an impact, you know, with his, you know, what, 10 minutes of ice time a game, if that. <laughs> so well, my, and- I, I just want to say, my only thing about John Scott's comment on this is I just think it's funny that he's, now granted, he was a quote unquote an enforcer. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of, you know, throwing it out there with the, you know, look, you're going to see guys like Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby and Leon Draisaitl and Logan Couture or whatever. You're going to see the stars of the league get injured more often because there's not an enforcer there, which I don't know that I take that in, like, I don't know that I can believe that. But I just think it's funny that when John Scott was a shark for one season, we were as a fan base sold on the idea of, well, we're bringing in John Scott to protect and look, at, look out for these younger guys that we're bringing up, whether it's a Hurdle or a Meyer or a LeBanc or whoever. Uh, I but, And how many games was John Scott scratched? <laughs> yeah. well, Like over half the season? How are you protecting guys from the press box?
0: Well, and I have a problem with what he said too because he's, he's right. Players do get injured more often, but there's so many reasons – that that is the case. Like, uh, the game is faster.
1: and The game is faster. I still think it's, it's a case of, even when there were enforcers, you still saw people, guys, taking liberties with stars. Right, but
0: I, I, I think it's... I I just think you don't see the whole story when you when you see John Scott's quote where he says, you know, what did he say? Where he says, "Are stars more vulnerable to getting hurt?" Well, you know, the increased pace of the game makes them more vulnerable because it's so. Speaking as somebody who does, you know, ice skate and play hockey on a kind of regular basis, it's very easy to take a spill into the boards, you know, especially when you're going that fast and. Like we're playing the game on ice, people. <laughs> that too, and 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 obviously, I get what he's trying to say, but I think by saying it as generic as he did, he's not allowing the person he's talking to 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 view the situation from all sides. Would an enforcer help? I mean, it, like okay, it's, if, it's if, see if this couture, is my whole... okay, but here's the thing: if Go ahead. If, if, if Couture. If Couture snow, let's just say he snow showers the goalie, right? And then Ryan, and you know Ryan Reeves comes up and is like, hey, what are you doing?" and and pops him in the side of the head. Is you know insert enforcer here going to jump off the bench and be like, "What are you doing to my captain?" No way. No. Yeah. Like unless uh, unless John Scott's solution is to you know have an enforcer for every line, which is just ridiculous. Yeah. So no, but... I, I I just think it, it goes back to what I said. You know, get players who are faster and who are better. And just blow by them and don't even think about it because like you mentioned with Ryan Reese and Evander Kane and, you know, from experience inside and outside of hockey, if somebody's trying to piss you off and you ignore them, it pisses them off even more, but it makes them implode more than anything because they're not getting a rise out of you.
1: No, absolutely. So, yeah, I just go back to, you know, that it's we've heard so much talk over the last few decades where it's trying to find players like an Eric Carlson, a Brent Burns, a Dan Boyle, people that can just offensive defensemen, a Chris Pronger, you know, these guys that are just uh, stud defensive guys but are also offensive weapons, a Drew Dowdy. So there are those kind of players, and you, they talk about that, oh, you know, they're generational. Well, you know, you've, they're so few and far between. Well, I think you can go a step further that one of the things that is few and far between is the player who is a badass that you worry about, that he literally might come up and kick your ass, (laughs) but he also has the ability to score points. And that was was the name that I invoked earlier was Steve Downey. Back when I was playing a lot of fantasy hockey, Steve Downey was just a go-to for me. You look at his stats over like four or five seasons— the dude's putting up 35, 40, 45 points, but he's also posting 180, 200, 220 penalty minutes. You know, it was like, oh, that was that, that was secret weapons when I was drafting uh, for fantasy hockey. It was like, oh, man, not only is this guy going to get me some extra points, but he's going to secure my win every week in the penalty category. Yep. <laughs> you know, and you want to talk about trying to find, you know, the rainbow unicorn of the NHL. There, There you go. And that's why I like I, I
0: like these you know these multifaceted players you know guys guys like Timo Meyer and guys guys like Jamie Ben right and and guys of that ilk who like they'll light you up for thirty goals right but they're gonna hit you they're gonna knock you down they're gonna grind you out and I, I think. That's that's kind of where the league is, has gone and is going. Is you know instead of saying okay, you're the guy who scores goals, you're the guy who's fast, you're the guy who does this and fights and does that. You're starting to see these multifaceted players more and more, and and that's why I think you know, like I said, these guys like Jamie Benn and like Timo Meyer are, you know, they're they're your more they're your more standard power forward, you know, from the '90s and 2000s. But these guys can actually skate pretty well, and yeah. so you I think more and more you're going to start seeing these guys and I'm trying to think of another name and even a guy like Matt Kachuk, right? Like Matt Kachuk. Oh man. Matt Kachuk put up almost 80 points last year, but he is the biggest freaking shit disturber in the league right now. <laughs>
1: dude, dude, don't you just want to see Kachuk and Dowdy like go at it every game? <laughs>
0: oh, I every time the Kings and the Flames play, I have it circled on my calendar and th- this you know, this is you know, this is, I believe, the fourth season that we're seeing this feud play out on the ice, and I'm still for it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't know if you caught the most recent game, but, you know, they they started a brawl, right? And then, I don't oh. know where comes Mark Giordano, like, <laughs> off <laughs> the <Da-da-da-da-da-da-da>. top <just>, rope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: that was fantastic.
0: And, I mean, obviously, like, you know, like, you don't want to see guys get hurt, obviously. But no. at the same time, that level of passion and intensity, like... It's good to see it helps build new fans and and it just it makes for an exciting game to watch because you know for every one of those kinds of games, there are ten games where it's like all right, two one, and I'm in bed by nine yeah. thirty
1: like yeah for so, all of those games there's Winnipeg Nashville, oh God,
0: you know, or like um i there was one game I watched this past weekend that was just like
1: a like so boring that like I literally um, stopped watching <laughs> like Minnesota, Florida, <laughs> yeah, like I was. I was I'm right there with you. Um, yeah, it was tough sledding. And now, it's time for a new segment we're calling Foreseen. Guess what? A hockey jerk came up with the... Well, he it's his hashtag.
0: Uh, so, we will go... <laughs> Guess who's also not winning in this year's Foreseen face-off? Oh, Me. Oh, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so we're gonna go with uh this time this episode's foreseen i don't know that we're gonna do this every episode but uh you know we want to have at least one bit for every episode and this week it's hashtag foreseen the question is who is the first nhl coach to get the spanish archer el Bo. <laughs> so i have some odds for you if you'd like to hear them Oh, please. <laughs> now, granted, you have to take into account that these odds are about four or five days old. <laughs> so at mm-hmm. the top of the list is Peter DeBoer. Because <laughs> <laughs> at the time, he was like the only coach with four losses and no wins. Um, but So you have Peter DeBoer. Now, also, throw onto the fire with that, you know, dude just signed a multi-year extension over this last summer from uh, the reporting of Kevin Kurz on the athletics. So... Hmm. Makes you wonder how hot that seat can really be. Now, let's also take that a step further. Another name that is part of this <laughs> hot seat thing, Todd McClellan. <laughs> the, <laughs> the dude has been with the Kings for what, since July? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you got to take it with a grain of salt, but... It seems like the the big money right now is on Bruce Boudreaux from Minnesota, Mm -hmm. and uh, at least that's kind of like in the western side of it. On the eastern side, I think most people would say, yeah, it's got to be John Hines in New Jersey. So
0: I'm glad that you brought up both of those names because those are the two names that I was going to say. You think about it from a Minnesota perspective, I mean, uh, Bruce Boudreaux probably is the first to get fired, but I don't really think it's – it's of his own fault. You know, the roster he was given is, is not really that exciting of a roster. And, and obviously Bill Guerin, their GM has had to clean up a lot of messes, uh, you know, from the previous GM. And there's a really good article by Mike Russo on the athletic about the previous GM. If you're interested, it's very good. Um, So I think if he does get fired, it's not really his own fault. It's more a matter of (laughs) When did this podcast
1: turn into a commercial for The Athletic? But anyway, go ahead.
0: (laughs) Like, I just think if he does get fired, it's not going to be by his own hand. Like, he's doing—I truly think he's doing the best he can, and that roster is just not good enough. Now, versus you look at the New Jersey Devils perspective, you know, John Hines has been there. Uh, for almost five years now, I
1: believe this is his fifth season. And well, there was the, a lot of talk about the Devils in the off season when all the moves they had made. Yeah, yeah,
0: and I and it, un- unfortunately, this is you know, it's it's the same kind of thing where obviously, like you know, ultimately the players put on the skates. The coach doesn't wear the skates, so you kind of have to look to the players and and see, okay, what can they do better? What can they do different? But at the same time, the excuse me, the Devils, they have a pretty good, pretty good roster. One of the better rosters they've had the last few years. And, you know, Taylor Hall, former Hart Trophy winner, obviously scored a lot of points. He's, I would argue he's underwhelming. You have, you know, guys like Nikita Gusev, who I thought was going to tear the world up. He's had a slow start, same with P.K. Subban. And, I mean, just everybody who you're expecting big things from, they've overwhelmed. Wayne Train,
1: the Wayne Train, Wayne Simmons has no goals in eight games. So, I mean... Well, the other thing we need to call out too is they're 31 of 30, or uh, I'm sorry, 30th out of 31 teams. I've already got Seattle in in the league in my head. Uh, 30th out of 31 teams when it comes to goal differential. You know? Yeah. Well, now, granted, they've won their last two games, but.
0: And. Just and from a goaltending perspective as well, they're between their two goalies, Mackenzie Blackwood and Corey Schneider, a combined three uh, three point six one goals against average, which that's uh, that's not ideal no matter where you play. And save percentage is a as a as a goaltending tandem is a point eight eight one. So as, as much as their as much as their forwards are not scoring, their goalies aren't really doing them any favors either. Now Mackenzie Blackwood has been the better goalie, and I think he's take in or will take that starting job away from Corey Schneider. But I I think with everything just going poorly and, and John Hines, you know, I mean, we're two and a half weeks into the season and the assistant GM is already on the bench.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and a couple other names that were listed in here, which I think are kind of funny is Rick Tockett in Arizona. Like, I don't see that. Yeah. I I don't see that either.
0: Um, Even like one that I look at too, is like, you, like, Jeff Blaschel has been in Detroit for a long time, and Detroit has been Horrible. pitiful, we'll yeah. say. Horrible. But I, Well, I think, they
1: were due <laughs> after, like, the right. 25, 30 years of, you know, but, success.
0: Right, but I, I just think with, with Jeff Blaschel, in that kind of situation, like, as bad as the team is, I think it's almost a situation where it's like, you're our guy. Pull us out of this kind of thing, you know? Do what you I mean? think
1: it's just like Detroit will just hire any coach whose last name starts with a B? It's possible. Bowman, Babcock, Blashen, no.
0: Well, and if and if you look at their bench, they're clearly trying to lead the league in uh, coaches who have no hair. Um, oh,
1: oh come on! That's not even
0: that's not even me trying to be funny. That's just a true hundred percent
1: fact. There's a really good clip where. Uh, Wait a minute, Babcock's got a nice flow. Yeah, but he's not on that bench anymore. Well, I mean, but when he was... All right, anyway. But, uh,
0: so but, Like, if, there's a really good clip where, like, if you look, there's a you know interview reporter, like, goes up to one of their assistant coaches who's bald and is like, oh, hey, Coach Blaschel.
1: And, and he's like, oh, you're looking for the other bald guy. Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> all right. Uh, so I'm going to throw a couple more names out at you. Um, DJ Smith in Ottawa. I mean, you know... You, you could have three Scotty Bowmans on that bench. I don't think things are getting much better in Ottawa anytime soon. Jim s- Jim Montgomery in Dallas, uh, I, mm, they've gotten off to a slow start. Maybe Pavelski and Perry haven't turned out the way that they'd hoped. From what I'm hearing, Ben Bishop not lighting the world on fire in net right now. And another one that was on the list, uh, Travis Green in Vancouver and I I again I feel like he's in the same boat as Tockett, where it's like I think we're talking about this a little too early right now but I'll give you I mean who who's your top 3? I'm you know I'm going uh you know Hines, Boudreaux, and uh, I honestly I'm I'm trying to think of a third one that I would lump in there. I'm looking mm-hmm. at my list and uh, you know there's even been a little talk about Tortorella and I'm like he's on the hot seat all the time. He's never been on a cool seat except for 2004 in Tampa. That's the only time his seat has been cold.
0: Yeah. And I, and I think like, definitely I agree with you, John Hines and Bruce Boudreaux. Obviously those are the two obvious candidates, both with, you know, what the team's done on the
1: ice. and But you in want four points. Right. So you have to find the one that no one's talking. Find,
0: about. find the third one. I, you know, I, I agree with you. It's really tough because a lot of these coaches are either like, they're in a good spot, or it's it's a situation like I mentioned with Jeff Blaschel, where like it's not going well, but you still have to stay the course with your guy kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Well, but, there's just a couple of guys. Well, the for me, it's like it's way too early to talk about Tocket. It. It's too mm-hmm. early to talk about Travis Green, is insanely mm-hmm. too early to talk about Todd McClellan, especially when you look at, at what he's been given. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, here's, you know, here's Copitar, here's Dowdy, and that's it. Have fun. You know? Yeah. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, I can't, you know. And T-Mac signed like a five-year, five million, or, you know, five years, five mil per. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, you're not dumping a, either way. I think we've gone on too far, but, okay, give me, give, who, <laughs> who, okay, here, I'll make it easier for you. Who dumps the coach first, the East or the Western Conference? Oh, the Eastern Conference. Yeah, yeah. I think we're both leaning towards. Um, John Hines. Yeah, John Hines. Sorry, buddy. Well, if you Insert get fired, you're AOL than- <laughs> sound here. Goodbye. <laughs> if, you
0: get, if you get fired, you're more than welcome to join the podcast.
1: Hey uh, yeah. now. Just- know. <laughs> uh, so, speaking of which, let's get into uh, some sharks hockey after week three. Over the last week, the sharks go two and one with wins over Calgary and Carolina, including a was it a natural hat trick or not? by Evander Kane versus the Canes, and we'll get to that in a minute, followed up with a loss to the Buffalo Sabres. Now, the victory over Calgary, great victory. Uh, we had some stuff that happened during that game we can get into a little bit later, but that was a solid victory. The Sharks come home after a victory in Chicago and Marlowe's first game. That was great. All right, Carolina. Evander Kane scores three goals. In the first period. First time in franchise history, by the way, that that's ever happened. However, there was a lot of back and forth as to whether Evander Kane's hat trick in the first period was a natural hat trick. Jerk, in your mind, in your definition, was it a natural hat trick? Well, uh,
0: I'll be honest with you. I'm Looking have to for a it. yes
1: or no right now, but go ahead.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I am unsure because I... I <laughs> Because I don't, <laughs> I don't. I don't know the order the goals were scored, but I think what I think you're alluding to is the fact it was, that it was Gambrell. Kane, it was
1: Kane, Hamilton, Kane, Kane. Oh, and, then it's and not the, a
0: natural hat trick. The
1: Gambrell thing has nothing to do with it.
0: It's not a natural hat trick. then.
1: Okay, then. Thank you. See now, here is the, uh, and that's the way I look at it as well. Is that a natural hat trick is three goals by the same player, uninterrupted by scoring from either team involved in the contest. I would agree. Okay, then. Evidently, there are multiple definitions. Well, well, and when I say multiple, I mean two. (laughs) But there are (laughs) two definitions. It's essentially a natural hat trick, the definition that I just provided, or it's when a player scores three goals in one period. Evidently, that's like some other definition that is like... Yeah, the, I, that's like the Urban Dictionary definition, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> what, what, <laughs> okay. I'm telling you, man. Look it up. Google it. I've seen two definitions of it He's now. Damn, damn millennials. Yes, the definition that we just invoked seems to be the all-encompassing. <laughs> like, yeah, that's the one we all look at. But that <laughs> either way, one. that's that's the one. That's why some people were unsure, as you say. So, well, yeah, of course, and and you know
0: what? I'll I'll tell you this: if you don't agree with us, you're wrong. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. <laughs> and <laughs> just a quick reminder as well: some tweets meant as joke. Just wanted to some, get that some. out
1: there. Only some, some, uh, only some. So, after losing their first four contests, uh, the Sharks go three and one. What have you liked? What have you not liked? Like, uh, let's 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 talk. Let's touch on the positive first. Mm-hmm. Uh the we we've seen Marlowe come back. We get Kane back. See, that's the other thing, too, is they went 0 4. Well, what did they not have in those first four games as they've had in the last four? Well, they've had Evander Kane for all four of their last four. They've had Patrick Marlowe for all four of their last four. They've also, and I'm sure having those players back or re signed or signed again, or however you want to refer to Patrick Marlowe. Uh, but having that back, all of a sudden you look at a power play that went like one for 17 chances. All of a sudden is like six for their last 13. And on top of that, you put a power or a penalty kill that has killed 14 of their last 14. So special teams are on fire right now. But they like, so that's my positive right now. What like, what are you looking at that you're going, okay, I like this. This is getting better, like more of this the the thing for me that i really like
0: more than anything has been uh has been the penalty kill you know it's 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 been good for a few years now obviously but i think with boogner coming back i think is obviously it's boosted it up even more their 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 penalty kill right now it's just a just a smidge under 93% which is like i believe unreal missed- Because I, I, you know, I believe I want to say, don't quote me on this. I want to say league average for a penalty kill is between 80 and 85. And the fact that the Sharks are at 93 is ridiculous. And, you know, they even, they shut down, you know, Carolina, statistically Carolina's power play doesn't look very good, but it's got a lot of really good personnel. They shut them down. No, they're
1: coming into that game. They're, they're, their yeah. power play was looking pretty damn solid. I think they were top three or four, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah, they shut that down. Buffalo has a really good power play this year. They shut that down except yep. for, I believe, one or two goals. So, for no, me, the no, best... no, no,
1: they kept Buffalo off the sheet when it came to power play.
0: Oh, ah, well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I think penalty kill has been the best aspect of the team as a whole just because, you know, that's, that's where I found. You know, especially with with the Vegas Golden Knights, those first two games, it was like Vegas on went on the power play. It's like yeah, just give them a goal because it's going to go in, you know. And now, <laughs> and and now wow. like the penalty kill is totally dialed in. It's I believe it's number two in the league. Um, the so sharks uh, right
1: now, the PK is number
0: two. I could be wrong. I think I may have read that somewhere.
1: Um, but
0: that's like what I'm looking at from a team perspective.
1: You know what? It, no, hold on. Let me. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. But let me ask you a question though. When you give up a short-handed goal, mm-hmm. that doesn't because I've seen this question before. It doesn't impact your power play, uh, like your st- statistically. No, it it yeah it doesn't. And it should, and, and though San o- <laughs> and, <laughs>
0: and San Jose is number two in the league in penalty kill, ninety two point eight percent, just above Vancouver at ninety two point six, and just below Vegas at ninety four point three. So they're right there, second in the league in penalty killing. Did um, someone
1: say Vancouver. No, <laughs> no, that was for puck. But man.
0: go ahead. It, uh, in terms of an individual effort, I mean, it's it. The easy answer is Logan Couture because he somehow has gotten even better than he was last year, and last year he was better than the year before. So it is proof that at 30 years old, you can get better. But the one guy I'm really looking at is Barkley Goodrow. Like he's especially in the four losses to start the season, he was uh, no doubt in my mind the best player on the ice. And, you know, he proved that with the goals he was scoring and just hitting and being a smart player. And he's continued to parlay that even when the Sharks have been winning and it's gotten him, you know, a promotion uh, to that line with Joe Thornton and Marcus Sorensen. And even, you know, he had a quick cigarette with uh, Thomas Hurdle and Evander Kane on that line as well. So, you know, he's probably been my, I guess, not most improved, but like the best player for me to watch. And I think. I think this could be a good year for him and the nice thing too is if he, you know, if he can put away let's just say, you know, speaking a little freely, you know, being optimistic, if he can put away like 15 goals this year. The Sharks still have him under contract for sub a million next year, so you know, talk about cap management on the bottom side of the books. It's we're doing all right for for Goody you're saying.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I think Goody's getting better. Um one of the, you know, to kind of Excuse me to to kind of keep the positivity ball rolling a little bit. Um, Milker Carlson, this guy gets <laughs> dumped on a lot, and you look at his numbers. He doesn't take the most face offs, but you know what? He's got the best face off winning percentage right now on the team. Now, granted, you know if he if he's only taking three a game while Hurdle's taking twelve and Couture's taking eleven and it, yeah, okay. But the whole thing is he's not there for that, but. When he is there, he's getting it done. And you look at the penalty kill that we just talked about being 14 for the last 14. Melker Carlson is a big part of that, you know, top guy on their penalty kill. So that's another guy that I don't think, you know, you're, shall we say, I, I, I don't think those guys, both Goody and Carlson, and, you know, Goody has really stepped up. Let's be honest. You know, his Johnson feels a lot bigger after Game 7 than it did before Game <laughs> 7. You know what I mean? He's got that BDE going on. So, I think with that, with both those guys, you, you got to like for the money, they're getting it done. You know? Are they only mm-hmm. going to play, you know, 8 to 10 minutes a night or whatever? Sure. And are they going to be seeing a lot of ice time when there's 7 minutes left and you're down a goal? No. No but they're doing what you like are they at are they making their money absolutely in my mind absolutely yeah and
0: and real quick um i don't know if you want to get into the negatives or not but real quick i just oh, want to say we're going to
1: get negative baby
0: <laughs> i just want to say i think Noah Gregor had a really good first nhl game and i hope yep. he gets to stay in the lineup on this road trip
1: yes i would agree i would like to see him um see what he can do. Uh, you know that's uh, obviously uh, you're tyking, you're tyking, you're taking however you want to say it I've i have heard like 20 different pronunciations uh, you're you're taken out of the lineup. Yeah, you were taken out of the lineup because you aren't getting a, yeah but uh, you're taken in Bergman, you had your shot and so we move on and we, we take a look at Gregor who was doing really well. I think he had what, like a goal and two assists in three games with the CUDA and mm-hmm. was looking good, leading the way there. Um, but let's jump back for a hot second on Goodrow and Melker Carlson. So with Goodrow, looking at the at the numbers here, twenty six years old, making less than a mil, nine nine hundred and twenty five k this year and next year before he's UFA. It's beautiful cap oh, management. Oh, that is exquisite. Milker Carlson, 29, making $2 million, UFA after this year. Okay, that one I can see fans getting a Ugh. Nah, See, you look, again, you look at what he's there for. Is he a little overpaid? Debatable. But he's insanely consistent. When was the last time Carlson missed a game? You know? I mean,
0: more, he's, he's more than, reliable. More than anything, when's the last time... When's the last time you've ever watched a game, a Sharks game, going back the, the six, five, six seasons he's been I on the team? I know
1: exactly what you're going to say. Go ahead. No, I'm
0: just going to say, when's the last time you've ever w- w- seen something and been
1: like, oh, I hate that Melker Carlson did that? Yeah, exactly. I knew exactly where you're going, where you just sit there and go, oh, oh if Melker doesn't make that play, you yeah. know, yeah. When was the last time you did that? No, that's a, like, that is a fantastic point
0: and 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 you know i i think a lo- the sharks were kind of high on him after his rookie year and um the year he signed this extension as well and and i'll agree with you the contract the contract is not the best contract like ever but he's a player that i would love to keep on this team past this year just for what he brings to the penalty kill alone absolutely
1: no okay so all right, we're a little too hearts and candy and and flowers and teddy bears and everything, so let's time to uh let's rip some people some new assholes, all right? Um uh... <laughs> I already know where I'm going, so you can go first. Uh... Goaltending, goaltending, goaltending. Now, look. Uh, we uh, here and, and here's my thing. I gotta I gotta preface this before everybody like burns me an effigy on social media. Look. Let me just say, like, has Jones? Because every time you say anything negative about a goaltender, you get half a Twitter. It's not all Jones' fault; all the guys in front of him. I'm not saying that that isn't the case. So please, don't read into something that I'm not saying. Don't <laughs> make assumptions because that just drives me insane. You have no idea, dude. Like, how many times I like I'll post, some, post something Twitter. And I'll get like a couple responses and it's like, it's almost as if they think I said something totally different than what I said. You know, like you don't know how many times I've had my like cut copy and paste response is I never said that, (laughs) (laughs) you know, or show me where I said that, you know, just the assumptions. Some people on Twitter just like learn to read people. We talked about this in episode 75, read, then read it again Read it one more time, then respond, and then make sure you're actually responding to something that was actually written on Twitter instead of making assumptions and taking it an ev- either way. I feel like I've gone on too long. Either way, <laughs> um, goaltending it's this is the reason why I say goaltending, and again, blame it on the guys in front of them, but there have been so far. In just a few games that we've seen, the eight games so far. Now, granted, Dell started one. Remember, Jones was yanked in game two versus Vegas. Uh, I'm assuming we'll see Dell get at least one game. I don't know if it'll be between Montreal and Toronto since that's a back-to-back situation, but you would assume that Dell will get a look on this five-game road trip that starts tomorrow. um, Or today, depending on when this podcast is posted. But (laughs) you... (laughs) have to take into account that yeah there are a, there were a few goals that Jones should have had not blaming him for everything but the fact of the matter is we're a year you know we're we're onto the next year and we're still complaining and this is not just me but overarching a lot of the same complaints that we had last year we're having this year one of which is being is, is goaltending Jones has had a couple of great games Calgary and Carolina Really solid games. Very solid. I think you could even say that... Uh, I think it was the Chicago game. Solid game. Even Nashville. But the thing of the matter is... Uh, no, wait a minute. Hold on. What game did Dell start? <laughs> uh, Dell played against Chicago. So, yeah, okay. So that's... the Okay, yeah. That's the thing I was being thrown off by. But either way, like, over the last three starts, Dell, even versus um, Buffalo, this... You know the like it. The sharks just could. It seemed like they were behind the eight ball from the beginning. It was like you know they, they gave up the goal, they got it back. Then they give up another one, they get it back. They give up another one. You know, just kept ping ponging back and forth. I I just I want to see Jones make that extra stop once in a while. You know, like he doesn't have to do it every game, but I would like to see him steal games. But that's the thing about Nabby even Niemi a couple times although not as much but there was a few times where Nabby <laughs> Nabby outright stole games there was there's a, a lot of games you can look at and say you know what the sharks had no goddamn right to win this game if it was if it's not for Nabby and right. I wish we could say that more often about Jones uh, so again w- let's see this team y- you know you can sit there and talk about the guys in front of him but when you're looking at a team that sucks ass, like the LA Kings or the Ottawa Senators or whoever, and their goaltenders save percentage is like at a 9-11 and Martin Jones is like at an eight don't tell me it's all about the people in front of them because there is a far better team playing in front of Jones. Okay? So that's that's my first, you know poop on the bed. You you go ahead. <laughs> I mean that said Martin Jones, good goalie, but he needs to and I'm not the only one who says this. No. You I know.
0: I, I think Martin Jones, I think he needs like I just I think he needs
1: a backup that's gonna push him. Yeah. Well and that was also stipulated too not too long ago by somebody. It was just like, you know, when he had Optimus Prime or I'm sorry, Optimus Rhyme up in here really giving him a run for his money. That's when we saw some of Jones's best work. And mm-hmm. since then, no. Yeah. Uh so <laughs> the person that
0: I'm gonna that I'm gonna point out is uh Luke, Lukasz Radil. Um, Ooh. not where I thought do, you were going, but okay. So my advice to him is do something. Ooh. Literally anything, because uh, this is how I look. This is how I look at it. So Lukash Radil, he's six foot four, which makes him the second tallest guy on the team, he's just behind, big, big just team. behind Brent Burns, and he skates very well for being six foot four. I will give him that. So why are you playing like you're five foot ten? Yep. Like their the preseason game against the Calgary Flames, Lukas Radil had a tough, tough, tough first period. And then came back in the second and third. He was playing true to his size and he was playing with Kane and Hurdle and he was he was making things happen. You know, uh Hurdle had I believe Hurdle had Hurdle had a goal in that game, or maybe Kane did. One of those guys had a goal in that game. And and Radil was a big part of it. You know, he was using his size to his advantage, making space for those guys. And, you know, we've seen him literally everywhere in the lineup. He was with Couture. He was with hurdle. He was on the fourth line and no matter where he goes, he can't get it done, which is it's unfortunate because I, I think he had a, a flash of having some skill last year. You know, there was that, the very brief time where he was the real deal, Lukash rad deal. <laughs> and now it's just like, I don't know, like, like I look at Noah Gregor who came up and I'm going to use this example again, because I just so happen to be a fan of his and may or may not have a Jersey coming. Uh, you know, Noah Gregor came in, you know, first NHL game, was using his speed, was getting open for uh, his center, Gambrell, who, by the way, Gambrell has played outstanding. Um, you know, he was being open for his center. He was using speed. He was making things happen. And I just feel like Radil has been a passenger so far this season. And and I hate to say that because I do think he's a skilled player. But it's like if you want to hold on to your roster spot, like you got to be better than everybody else around you. And I I I just think, you know, he's legitimately sick right now and can't play. But I think if he was totally healthy, I don't think he would be playing anyways.
1: Yeah, I think he was definitely a guy that I was looking to make some sort of an impact or really make the coaches, um, you know, give the coaches some tough decisions to make during training camp. And it just – he was literally like one of the guys that you really didn't hear a lot about during training camp. So. Yeah, no, that's a solid one. Um, let's let's move on to the defense now. Um, Vlasic and Eric Carlson both leading the team with a minus nine. Now we know that for the most part, minus you know plus minus is a relatively useless stat, but it does give you a little bit of an idea of what's going on. I'm, I'm just going to say this: <clears throat> I'm tired of hearing excuses for Eric Carlson. It's First off, it's, well, he's new. He's got to get used to the system and blah, blah, blah. Okay, then it's, oh, he's injured. Uh, I mean, obviously a valid excuse, but still uh, another excuse. Now it's, uh, oh, well, he's just become, um, you know, a parent. So there's, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that those things don't have an impact, but it just seems like it's like, okay, well, how long before we can stop using he's a new parent as the excuse and then move on to the next one? And I think one of the reasons why I'm a little upset with Eric Carlson right now, as are a lot of other fans, is the fact that he's the highest paid defenseman in the NHL. If he was getting you know, seven and a half, $8 million, similar deal as Brent Burns, maybe he's not catching the amount of shit that a lot of people are throwing his way. Fact of the matter is, highest paid NHL defenseman right now. And when you see him getting easily pushed off the puck, when you see him making ill-advised passes up the middle where there is literally no one there, uh just some of the things that you're seeing and this again, these are things that some people were talking about last season. Now, you can sit there and blame it on the groin or whatever it is. He was supposed to be solid, healthy coming into the season. Everything felt good. Played that last preseason game. Everything was good. Oh, yeah, I'm the, you know, I'm the EK65 from back in the day when everybody, you know, loved me. And what have we seen so far? He's, now, granted, he's definitely been in on some plays. And when you're making 7 and $8 million and everything like that, oh, okay, hey, solid play. Maybe you're allowed to make some mistakes here and there. But when you're the highest paid defenseman in the league, of course the spotlight is going to be on you hard, you know, Way harsher. So I just think when, you know, with great, I'm going to, to paraphrase Spider Man, <laughs> with great money comes fans, you know, wanting great output. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I don't think that, it, I, I, right or wrong, and there's going to be a faction that say right, there's going to be a faction that say wrong. I'm just, I'm just trying to, Put it out there that I think that's one of the reasons, or I should say, the primary reason why Eric Carlson is catching a ton of shit right now is that when you've got a contract that that's fat, you are expected to produce at an insanely high rate. Maybe even, uh, maybe it's it's uh, God. I'm trying to find the correct word. Maybe you know, maybe the expectation is unwarranted, but. It's it's going to happen when you're making that much money. Yeah. I, and, and it's – it, let me a, just say this. Tough. Hold on. Let me just say this. That That's going to happen. Re- remember Mikel Bodker. Four million.
0: Do I remember Mikel okay, Bodker? This is what I'm
1: saying. <laughs> four million a year for four years. And how much did we lay into this cat? And a lot of it was he wasn't producing. If he had just put up 15 goals – for the first two seasons, I think all of us would have been like, well, you know, Hey, he's getting uh, you know, 4 million and blah, blah, blah. If he was getting 8 million, we would have roasted his ass. We would have flambayed him out on autumn street. Okay. <laughs> you have to take in to account the amount of money of the deal. That's what I'm saying. Go ahead.
0: I was going to say, I, this Eric Carlson stuff, it's, it's very hard for me to, 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 Quantify how I feel about it because on <laughs> on what because on on one hand, you're you're absolutely right. You're making eleven and a half million dollars a season. you need to you need to be able to take over a game and win a game by yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. but at the same time, and again, i I hate to make excuses, but i I look at it from the perspective of he had groin surgery five months ago. Yep. and he says, you know, he says he's fine. And if he's and thing is though,
1: I think so He a lot, said he was fine during the playoffs, too. How'd that work out?
0: Right. But what I'm saying is, like, I think if he was like, oh, I'm not fine, I'm still sore, I think people are going to even be more worked up about it. And I, mm. I think because then it draws the question, why the hell are you playing then? Yep. So I think I do agree with you 100%. I think <laughs> Eric Carlson needs to do more based on his contract, based on how good of a player he is. But at the same time, I just think you have to give it time because, I mean, I've never had groin surgery before, but I imagine, you know, you can have surgery and you can recover, but that true comfort never comes back when you're fully recovered. You know, it's, it's why, you know, same thing to kind of parallel it a little bit, you know, last year, Andre Sekera, Um, you know, tore his Achilles and that's like surgery and recovery is like six to 12 months. And then getting comfortable in your own skin is another six months. Now I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that Eric Carlson, you know, has until April to get ready, uh, you know, to get ready to get into game shape. I think it needs to be much sooner, but I still think like, I think we should give him the benefit of the doubt considering the fact that he had his groin reconstructed.
1: Again, I think most people would if you, if it wasn't for that insane contract. Oh, for sure. You know? And and that's
0: the thing, no matter how, no matter what way you slice it, like I could, I could sell you and get you to agree with me on one side of it. And then the other side is going to make you forget everything I just told you. Yes. Oh,
1: there's, absolutely. there's too many
0: ways to slice that situation, which is why I think in general, it
1: needs more time to percolate. Well, I, th- I, th- again, this is, uh, this'll be it. <laughs> But I think it's you look at that deal and you, and everybody, you know, it just makes any mistake. It's, it's magnified, you know, times a thousand. So I think that's part of it. You know, they'll, they'll look at, at two assists and they'll go, Oh, well, yeah, that's what he's expected to do. But then they see that one giveaway that leads to a game winning goal for the opponent. And they go, Oh, really? You know, so they're going to destroy him in that regard. It's, I don't know. You, you you look at those things, and I just feel like that's the way that fans are kind of looking at it. It's just because everything he's doing because of that contract is magnified and the fact that Sharks fans will sit there and go, you know, could have kept Nyquist. <laughs> now, I'm not saying keep, keeping Pavelski was the, the right play or the wrong play, but could have kept these these guys. And because of that the, that contract, they weren't able to do it. It, it's so to kind of change the subject on you a little bit.
0: It's funny that you brought up Nyquist because uh, he actually just scored the OT winner on a pen
1: <laughs> on a the OT winner on a penalty shot in Toronto. I gotta say I'm a little pissed off. I don't have your undivided attention, but it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I heard everything you said and I agree with you. I know exactly where you're coming from. Yeah. So I like it that. And in fact, you know, if you're gonna be really pissed off about anybody on the defense right now, uh, hello, Mark Edward Vlasic. Yeah. Dude, what has happened to this guy in the calendar year of 2019? Well, I shouldn't say that because he had a slow start last season and it took him about half a season to find his game. Now, granted, he did have musical chair partners going on, but it seemed like once he – I don't know. The the second half of the season he played well. And if you go back to the series versus Vegas – there were three games, well there's two games he didn't play in, one that he got injured very early in the game. The Sharks lost all three of those, but all four games that Vlasic played the full 60, they won all those games. So he was a key cog in the machine, but there is just I don't know what is going on with Vlasic over the last you know, I don't know, calendar year, but dear lord, man. Yeah,
0: I, and I've I've been one to defend Vlasic A lot during this time where he struggled and and you know and I still think he's better than most defensemen in the NHL and I this is one where you know like with Eric Carlson I could point to eight different things and be like well this is why or this is why or that's why but with Vlasic I really have no idea you know he he doesn't get injured and when he does it's not anywhere that affects his legs or his brain so like I I I don't have a reason for you and and it's I don't know. The, I like I like to think that he's going to turn it around. And and really though, I if we're looking at like last year's slow slow start versus this year's slow start, this year he's definitely better. But yeah. I just I am just wondering like why why can't why he can't be hundred
1: percent dialed in on day one. Well, I just it's going to be interesting to see how they deploy this, especially once uh, Shimmick comes back, because obviously mm-hmm. they've had Vlasic and Burns slotted together. Uh, Dylan and Carlson, and then of course you know Ferraro, and then whoever's name gets pulled out of a hat, whether it's Heat or Prout or you know whoever's not <laughs> injured that day. Uh, but once uh, you know Redeem comes back, you would think that they will slot Shimmick with Burns just because that produced so much success last season. That was like the combination to open the safe. But if that's going to happen, then. That essentially tell me again. We also saw a lot of chemistry between Dylan and Carlson. So does that put Vlasic down to the third pair? Mm, Yeah, it kind of does. But then it's you got people that are going to look at the salary in his contract and go, "Why is this guy getting seven million for the next six years playing third pair?" Yeah. I think
0: I I know where you're coming from, and and obviously the guys who are making the most money have to be the best players. But at the same time, regardless of salary, you have to play your best players. Well,
1: no, and see, that's my whole thing is that I kind of like this. I can't wait for Shimmick to come back because I would love to see Shimmick and Burns, Carlson and Dylan, and then Vlasic and Ferraro. I think oh. that would be a lot of fun. Especially as aggressive as Ferraro can be, I think if you put Ferraro with a guy like Vlasic who is the kind of, you know, supposed to be that stay-at-home, shut-down, reliable guy, I think that f- could really free up Ferraro and maybe give him a little BDE for his confidence, you know?
0: I just on a totally side note I love what I've seen from Mario Ferraro oh, yeah. so far and I
1: he's made and- a couple of rookie mistakes which is what happens the thing I love about this kid is it's I've also seen him a couple of times where he's screwed up and then hustled back to cover his screw up that's – yeah, and I, I made a note of that on
0: Twitter in the game against Carolina as well where whenever he makes a mistake, he knows how to make up for it. You know, whether it's, you know, you brace into a guy or you maybe you skate a, take an extra stride. He knows what he needs to do and, and unfortunately when everybody's healthy, he is going to go back to the Barracuda, which sucks because he's played so well with the Sharks. But it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing either because
1: <sighs> – how how long do you realistically think he would be with the Cuda? Because and and the reason why I say this is because I've been insanely unimpressed with Carrick and Prout for for the, again small sample size, but yeah, I mean Prout's only played one game. Yeah, but I mean even the course of like preseason and everything, it was mm-hmm. like I was kind of like he was, you know, playing against AHLers essentially, and he still looks out of place. Right. I I think. I mean.
0: I don't want to. I would rather have or give Ferraro, me Heed and Middleton over Prout. Right. I would rather have Ferraro be the number one defenseman with the Barracuda than being like the healthy scratch for the Sharks. Like,
1: oh no, he, I definitely don't want. I don't. I, I just can't see him being a healthy scratch. When your options are okay, Shimmick Burns, right? Carlson, mm-hmm. Dillon, and then Vlasic, and then who? Who are you slotting in over Ferraro? Is Heed better than Ferraro? I would say well, no. Middleton, if you if you Prout? I mean. Uh,
0: Peter DeBoer likes guys with the correct handedness on that side, so looking at it from that, <laughs> I have the same sentiment but looking at it from that perspective it would be Heat or it would be Dalton Prout but I mean, it. here's my other thing though it's like well, if...
1: Well no, Ferraro, Ferraro's lefty, Prout's
0: righty. No, I know but what I'm saying is Vlasic is lefty so you'd need a righty to play with him is what I'm saying uh, And but like but now that said, like if Ferraro is comfortable playing on his offside and you know who uh, DeBoer is fine with it, then I'm fine with it. You know, like if he's going to play, then by all means play him. And, you know, obviously I don't think as good as Burns Schimmick was last year. I don't necess- I wouldn't necessarily say that they are married at the hip just yet, because a- as much as Vlasic has struggled, I do like the Burns and Vlasic pairing. Um, I think they work well together. I am uh, unsure. I am unsure. <laughs> <laughs> I, it, it, it's a good problem to have, right? You have too many guys who can fill that role. So, you know, maybe it's a way for the sharks to recoup an asset, or I don't know. But uh, time will tell once everybody's healthy. And I'm I'm really struggling with the reality that the that we're gonna lose Brendan Dillon because how oh. you know, like and and you know what how how many times last year did I say it that he's our best defenseman and it's still true. Uh, like geez, this year, the
1: only defenseman. I mean, both him and Marlow are the only ones that are plus right, right. now. Right. And again, plus minus, blah blah blah. Yeah, okay, go go talk to Chris JWS. But yeah, no, the the no def- Dylan. I you know I, what I say? He was our best defenseman, possibly. Emphasis on defense. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Is that yeah? He's definitely been the most reliable. And yeah, I completely hear what you're saying. Where it's just like it's it it'll. Uh, it's that whole idea of it. It's going to be real interesting to see where the Sharks are come deadline. You know, if they're, sol- you know, a solid 10, 12 points out of a playoff spot, and I'm, you know, I mean, I'm talking wild card. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for, first off, two things. How can you not move him mm-hmm. because, uh you know, you, you need something for the, you know, for some from picks or prospects or something? How do you not move this guy for a f- piece for the future? Um, it's uh, and and then the other thing being is cuz i mean really what money you're going to have to sign him to any extension and the other thing being is like you're talking about a blue line that already has 27 million dollars
0: <laughs> well right? I, I i think like i actually looked at this last night with cap friendly and you know le- the salary cap's going to go up that's a that's a given and but, but even what if are we even talking,
1: what 2 mil
0: Uh, it's probably going to end up being one or a two mil like it was last summer. But even, even if without that fact of the salary kept going up, like I'm, I still think same thing. Like a lot of people say we had no capsules for an Iquist. We could have made that work. I I think in this, in the same respect, the Sharks can make a Dylan extension work. Now it'll be tough on the forward group, you know. Will because the Sharks are going to end up with more cap space this summer than they had last summer by virtue of the Paul Martin buyout coming off the books and you know cap space or the um, yeah the salary cap going up. So they can definitely make a Dylan extension work, but it's a matter of okay, do you think your young forwards will be ready to go at that point in time? You know, will Chemlevsky and Shakovich, will they be there? Will you know, guys like Gregor and your and and Bergman, will they take another step?
1: Or do guys like Merkley and Ferraro make Dylan expendable?
0: That's also another way to look at it. Or third option, and don't get me wrong, I love him. I have his. I have one of his jerseys. But
1: <laughs> when Brent Burns becomes no, exposed to Seattle, <laughs> but I'm, no, but I mean,
0: like, I don't think I would be. I don't think I would be too upset if there was a reality where Vlasic was traded.
1: I don't think that as well, but I just my whole thing is where does he go? You know, who's going to take that deal? Oh, um,
0: somebody will take that deal, I'm sure of it.
1: You would hope, but it's you know 32 years old now granted, you know, shut down defensemen, and it seems but hold on, is it lefties or righties that seem to be more prevalent in the NHL? I thought it was lefties. Prevalent. Yeah. Lefties
0: are definitely more like teams. Teams want right handed defensemen.
1: Yeah. So that that doesn't work in his favor because he's a lefty. But you're talking one, two, three, four, five, seven more year. I mean, including this year. So after this year, six more years at seven mil uh, He's going to be 33. And he's got like a sick no move. And I think that. Uh, if I remember correctly, Kurz was pointing out something about his clause that it's like airtight until like 2022. Well, yeah,
0: because since it's so like the no trade, like no trade is obviously, you know, like. You can't trade the guy, but it doesn't protect you from, you know, waivers or the expansion draft or anything like that. But no move. Well, no,
1: he's he. Yeah, no, he's got a no move, I'm, which means he's got it. He's automatically protected when Sato right. comes in. But but yeah, what I'm saying
0: is like the no the no move clause is way more ironclad than a no trade
1: clause. Yeah, and that, and, and it drives me crazy that that <laughs> Doug Wilson just seems so quick to hand those out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It uh, now, granted, there is information we don't know. For all yeah. we know, like is like. Well, it cap friendly says NMC. You know, there's not an M for modified in front of it. But you know, there could be some kind of provisions where maybe it goes away, or there's certain teams you can look at. I don't know if it's a full hundred um, percent. It uh, you know what? Actually, it doesn't look like it, it. Or it looks like it is a full like. Not even a list where he has teams he'll go to. Like it's full ironclad. So. Well,
1: I, like I look at cap friendly now, and I sit there and 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 go, you know what? This is a lot better than it was like five or six years ago when I swear to God, half the players on the team had some sort of a deal for a mm-hmm. for a m you know modified or full no move whatever it was. So at least get it. Well, you know what it is. It seems like he's replaced term with <laughs> you know he's using term now you know remember this is the guy who used to only give up five-year deals so yeah either, and, and either way I've, and i mean if if elastic if
0: all of a sudden turns into the best defenseman defenseman in the world again this isn't even a conversation
1: but is that going to happen we shall see uh we have <laughs> i am spent, unsure yeah we have spent way too long we should have ended this about 25 minutes ago so uh let's go through the rest of this if we can quick burn uh ladies and gentlemen hockey jerk specifically why can't the sharks beat buffalo uh 12 26 and 4 all time since realignment the sharks are 6 9 and 3 but this includes a stretch where the sharks won four straight after going two eight and two it's what what is is it just that case of like there always just seems to be that one team that and, and that's the whole thing if it was like a Detroit or something like you could at least understand it that you know what this is a team that has just been really successful for a great amount of time Buffalo has just sucked for that like when was the last time they went to a playoff uh 2012. okay then. So, so you know, seven seasons, and why can't the Sharks beat these guys?
0: Uh, I don't, I don't believe in fairy tales. I don't think there's anything to it other than just
1: poor luck, poor timing. Yeah, it's it's really weird. Well, we'll get to some more of that in a second. Uh, speaking of Buffalo, uh, former Sharks goaltender Arturs Urbe, stopped by the. Buffalo Sharks game last Saturday And so that was fun And he got a whole bunch of kudos and applause And and then of course if you look at his numbers He was one of those worst goaltenders the Sharks ever had But of course he will always be beloved For the series against Detroit And the following series against Toronto Back in 94 That guy can eat for free in San Jose Anywhere he wants All because of the years 1994 and barely 95 Uh, So odd scheduling cork Weird home and home Hashtag what is a home and home uh, versus Buffalo. So <laughs> playing the Savers last Saturday, playing them Tuesday, uh, I guess a chance to try to figure out how to beat the goddamn Savers. Uh, going between now and the next time we'll talk to you. Buffalo, Montreal, and Toronto. Fun thing is Montreal, and you can ask Jerk this. He loves this stat, is uh, they have not won in San Jose in this century. Fun stat, but over the last thirteen, twelve and one, so you would hope that the Sharks have a good outing. Uh, Toronto, a little bit better, a little bit worse, depending on your outlook. The Sharks have lost the last three games against Toronto. Prior to that, went fourteen and one, I, and I think we're all you know jazzed, and I, I'm sure Patrick Marleau is going to be really like you know jacked up for this game and his uh, you know number uh, retirement banner raising in Toronto. just saying so i I, mean what are you looking for on this trip
0: well i uh, the home and home with buffalo again i don't really attribute that to anything i mean from the schedule makers perspective right you got to think about 31 different arenas when they're available when they're not so maybe that's just the best way for it to work out which i think is why the sharks have had a lot of you know Two days off between games yep. to start this season. So I don't really look into it beyond that. And I like that you brought up Montreal because now <clears throat> we, myself, you, and Rocket Backhander, we've been, this is the fourth season we've been doing this podcast. And the fact that the Sharks play Montreal twice a year means that this is the seventh time I'm going to say this. Montreal cannot beat the Sharks. I'm telling you, <laughs> write it down. <laughs> Go back to every podcast the last four years that we've talked about Montreal, and I say it every time. Montreal can't beat the Sharks. You're going to see the same thing. And Toronto, well, John Tavares is out, so anything is possible.
1: Uh, Oh, that is true. Montreal to the Sharks is Buffalo to the Sharks. (laughs) Or or the Sharks are to Montreal what Buffalo is to the Sharks. There you go. That's how I see it. Right? Uh, Okay, and finally, uh, the Sharks fan Facebook page. (laughs) I don't know why you go on there. (laughs) Y'all need to calm the F F down. I mean it's just incessant bitching back and forth. There there's everybody burning EK65 and I already explained why the contract and everything like that. Burning them in effigy and then you've got the other people that will just defend anything blindly. We're really I don't know if this like has to do with like the hyper partisan politics right now and that's just bleeding into sports but it's so we're just so at this thing where it's it, if you believe one way you, everybody else is just wrong. <laughs> and <laughs> Vice versa. There's no listening to anything else. And, uh, and then the hyper partisan or, uh, the, the hyper bitching about whether a giveaway is free or not. Cause, uh, evidently at the sharks game versus Buffalo, they did their first, uh, Jersey giveaway for the Los Tiburones or Tiburones. Sorry. Uh, they did their first Jersey giveaway and evidently there are people on the, the sharks, Facebook fan page, uh, say, you know, Hey, I have like three extras, you know, sell it to you for 30 bucks. And then you've got the responses. Why are you selling a giveaway? How did you end up with three, you know, or four or whatever, you know, did you take these? just, again, I go back to what I was saying earlier about Twitter and everything with making assumptions. Stop with the assumptions. You know, like just politely ask, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm interested in knowing how you ended up with three. If you only had one ticket, you know, did you, uh, did your friends or did somebody next to you give? like, at least give somebody the benefit of the goddamn doubt before you automatically call them a thief, <laughs> you know, might help you out a little bit, but, or, um, <laughs> my, my favorite option, mind your own damn business. Well, that that's too. how I got them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, but okay. So, well, I'll throw it to you. is a uh, is a giveaway free or not?
0: No, because you're you're paying. <clears throat> you're obviously buying a ticket to go to the game, but also a hundred percent of the time, the ticket prices are infl- inflated because of said giveaway. So it, it, it's like it's like when a TV is half off, and you think, oh, I saved three hundred dollars, and it's like that's nice, but you still spend three hundred dollars. It's the exact same thing. See, Nothing is ever free.
1: Well, see, I I look at it with with these where when it comes to the giveaways where everybody through the door gets it, to me, I look at it as like, no, nah, it's kind of just a straight giveaway. Was this ticket pretty much going to be the same price either way? Yeah, pretty much. Wasn't going to change. Uh, either way, I was getting a hockey game. I was going to get this seat for this price, whether they gave me a jersey or not. Now, when it comes to the promotional ones where you have to buy a specific kind of ticket in order to get said item absolutely you can see that it's built into the price because when you log on to ticketmaster when you buy when you want to buy a ticket in the same row without the promotional item all it's like $25 less so you're clearly playing for the item, and that's the whole thing. Once you've paid for the item, it, do with it whatever you choose. If you if there's some someone out there, and, I, and we've seen it from last season, whether it was the Timo alarm clock, the Kevin LeBanc uh, piggy bank, or the Sharks head figurine, you will see these items go up for a hundred bucks a piece on eBay, and th- th- you know that's just. That's how we roll people. that's the world we live in is if somebody goes out there and purchases the ticket, and that's the whole thing too and this is and this is what I think is probably one of the funniest things about this, and then we'll move on to the next one. but the people that you see like in i don't know uh b f e montana or nowheresville, Iowa, or wherever. Well, hold on. Now we're going to get a whole bunch of tweets saying, how dare you bemoan these two states? I'm not, okay, I'm not besmirching you, but I'm just saying, you live outside of the market. The whole fact of the matter is, and and maybe this is brand new information for some of you, you can go onto the website, buy a ticket for these promotional items, the one where it's the promo package, the special package. I don't know if you're aware of this, but starting last season, the Sharks no longer like hand these out to you At the game, when you show them your special ticket, they send them to you. So rather than paying $100 on eBay for the Shark's Head figurine or whatever it is, special promotional item, why not just go on Ticketmaster and buy the cheapest ticket possible, like $32 or whatever, buy the promotional one, and they'll ship you the item, and you'll save yourself some money. The more you know. (laughs) Uh, so finally, and wow, we have gone so long, you know, I thought it was just the both of us and I was like, oh, okay, we'll do 40 minutes, <laughs> hour and a half later. Uh, there was uh new food options unveiled for a uh, media access event last Sunday versus uh, just before the Calgary game. Uh, so new food, same prices.
0: <laughs> My <And you'll>, advice, <laughs> eat at home.
1: Yeah. Well, and see, that's the whole thing is I understand and I, and I appreciate what the sharks are trying to do. They're, they're upping their food game uh presenting some tastier options but when you look on reddit you look on social media you look you talk to fans they say hey you know I I, I think it's great that stuff tastes better than it did before but I'm still not paying 18 dollars for you know a hamburger and fries I'm just I'm not gonna do it just it's just a thing just based on principle. Like I would rather eat a crappy hot dog for two bucks because at least I know it's worth $2. <laughs> you know, this thing for $18, it's not worth that. It's worth like, you know, 10. So it's, that's, it's going to be interesting to see where we go over the next five years when it comes to, uh, food and beverage when it, at sporting events, because announced today, the San Francisco 49ers announced that season tickets going forward starting next season will include unlimited food and beverage. Uh, and the only thing that's going to be added is $20 per ticket. So if you're a season ticket holder and you paid $500 a ticket for each game or whatever, now that same ticket, it's going to be $520. But when you use it, Unlimited now, of course, we have to throw it out there. When I say unlimited uh, food and drink, that doesn't include uh, anything that has alcohol in it, and you should know that already. So, uh, But let's see what other teams follow, because evidently prior to this, there was a small area, like 1,500 tickets uh, close to the 50-yard line, club level, all that, that already got this perk. But if you think about it, like the Sharks rolled out a similar thing a couple seasons ago with the BMW Lounge, where... Seats along the glass, you know, the first three rows that were $120 the year before, all of a sudden were $400. But now all of a sudden you also got, you know, parking is in, is included with like VIP parking and you get earlier access and you get access to the BMW lounge, which comes with food and bev, although, uh, convert, you know, different from San Francisco from the 49ers, Uh, Alcoholic beverages are included, at least beer and wine is. So what do you think about this? I mean, is this the way we're all just going to go forward with it's just haves and have-nots and just, hey, throw – we're going to make it easier? Because part of this, I also believe, too, is that they just – they want you to to get inside the building earlier, so they're just going to attack in the food. Like, hey, just dude, the food, you've already paid for the food and beverage, so come on and have all you can eat. Yeah, well, I, I'm inclined to
0: say from the 49ers perspective, I'm inclined to say that the reason why they're doing this is because they want people to actually come to the game.
1: Oh, but damn. we're talking about a team that's six and oh,
0: that's uh, what I was gonna say. The your Santa Clara 49ers <laughs> at the San Francisco Bay Area are six and oh, so
1: I don't know. I mean, see, I, 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 I get you with that, but I also think it's a case of uh, they want to lessen uh, tailgating, and it's it's kind of that thing where if they use this as a way to say, you know what um we're gonna even make like there's already a small area in the parking lot evidently that's cordoned off specifically for tailgaters and if you're not in that area you're not allowed to tailgate i could see them in a couple years saying oh by the way no more tailgating you know
0: i i didn't consider that but that's actually a pretty good point
1: right and now we don't have to pay for the security either you know
0: yeah makes sense I, I just, I mean, the I don't necessarily look at it as like, oh, they're trying to do this, oh, they're trying to do that. I just think,
1: I think my more, point is, when does the when do the Maple Leafs implement this pricing structure? Because <laughs> everything, they would, everything they, impacts they, the Maple Leafs. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, I, the way I look at it, I I guess you could say, you know, I'm I, I look at it with like a very simple mind because I when I see something like this, I just think, oh, cool you know, the 49ers are obviously doing a huge service to their fans. And I think, you know, not not to start a whole nother topic, maybe we can talk about it on another podcast. But I just think, generally speaking, I think more teams need to do a better job at providing fan service, you know, whether that's, you know, food and drink prices, or, you know, maybe the response time of building security, or, you know, just the fan atmosphere in general. And, and I, I point at um, the stadium. I can't recall the name of the stadium, but the stadium where uh, the Atlanta Falcons play. Mercedes. Mercedes. Yeah. If you look at their their food and drink like menu oh, prices, it's right. stupidly low. And oh. and their I think like their CEO of their of their stadium or whatever basically said like you know. Our fans bring us money. Like we're gonna do something for them. Like it's literally called the fan-friendly menu. And yeah. I think more more sports organizations across not just football or hockey, but basketball, baseball, soccer, whoever, all need to follow that trend because you know if now fans are always gonna show up. There's there's no denying that. But let's just say you you have an NHL or an NFL game about to start and your building is empty. You're making zero money.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, and you know, it's funny you say that because I remember not too long ago, a few years back, whatever it was, there was um, there was a concert tour and it wasn't, uh, so the tickets, that I just remember the ticket prices being like a little kind of like, really, you're going to charge that much for that? <laughs> and it was the case of, I think like ticket prices were like 90 bucks or something and I'm going really? Those should be closer to like 60, you know, just based on, on other things that are happening. And I'm like 90, 95, whatever it was. I'm like, that's, I just remember thinking, you know, that's a stretch. You need to drop that about a third of the price. And it kind of goes back to what you were saying in that they were selling, I, th- I think on average, they were selling about 80 to 82% capacity of the venues that they were playing. And it was this idea of like, well, wouldn't it be better to like put them at 60 bucks? Like you're going to make it up in volume. Like you're going to sell more tickets, and you're going to be able to probably sell out these places. And then you can use that as a promotional vehicle as well, saying that, Hey, we're on a sold out tour. We're selling out all these places Mm -hmm. at 60, 65 bucks. But what that doesn't, and as you were saying that all of a sudden that means there's an extra, I don't know, 3000 fans now instead of you know there's a place that's you know seats 20,000 before you were selling 17 now you're selling 20 well that's an extra 3,000 give or take people that are going to potentially pay for parking potentially buy a shirt a program a hot dog a beer any of those things like that's maybe you know you take a haircut here to make more money over here so I don't know it's it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. It wouldn't surprise me if Vegas looks at this model that Levi's is doing and studies it real hard.
0: Uh or, w- w- Do you mean the Vegas Golden Knights or the Correct. Vegas Raiders? No, Vegas Golden Knights. Because uh, I, I have to disagree with you only because, like I said earlier, people are going to go no matter what. With Vegas, people will go no matter what. Oh, I'm
1: sorry. I pronounced Vegas incorrectly. I meant Ottawa. Well, if they were smart, they would just demo that building, but that's another story. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, wow, we went way too long, about twice as long as I thought we were going to go for. So, Hockey Jerk, where can the people find you on social media? Well, so on social media,
0: you can find me on Twitter uh, at Hockey underscore Jerk. Um, I've not been tweeting a lot lately. Got some things in my personal life going on, but I am back, and it's great. And uh, I'll just say the best is yet to come.
1: And uh, just to get to the question that uh, everybody is wondering... Uh, Vegas lost six to two since we went on the air so anyway <laughs> <laughs> you love to see it uh, so with that I am AJ underscore strong you can find me at AJ underscore strong that's isn't that cool it's funny how that works out uh, mm-hmm. on Twitter on Instagram of course everything Town USA at Town USA on Twitter on Instagram TealTownUSA.com is the website. <laughs>